Hello and welcome to the All Terrain podcast, brought to you by the Youth and Children's Ministries Unit of the Salvation Army in the United Kingdom and Ireland Territory. My name is Jo Taylor and in each episode I'll be inviting a guest to take a hypothetical hike with me as we find out about their real life journey to this point. Along the way they'll make four choices and answer four questions. In this episode our guest is Dr Paula Gooder. Paula is a speaker and writer on the Bible and she particularly focuses on the New Testament. She's taught at a number of theological colleges and is currently the Chancellor of St Paul's Cathedral in London. I've read a number of Paula's books and her curiosity, intellect and ability to communicate in a really accessible way make her writing well worth checking out. Her book Women of Holy Week is one of my favourites and as we journey through Lent at the moment and prepare for Easter it's an excellent time to have a little look. I'm hoping that through this conversation you'll get a sense of that curiosity and intellect as well as a little insight into the life of one of the most famous church buildings in the world. So let's get going. Oh, Paula, it's really great to meet you and to have you here for the All Terrain podcast. Um, I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about what it is you do in your everyday life. Certainly can. I'm Canon Chancellor of St Paul's Cathedral, which means that I am in the senior leadership team, so I help run the cathedral. I'm a minister. I'm unusual in that normally canons are ordained priests, and I'm not. I'm a licensed lay minister, but I have a full ministerial role in the cathedral, so I lead services, I preach and do all those kinds of things. And then I'm the director of learning for the cathedral. So I look after um, our adult learning programme, our social justice programme and our schools and family learning. And then if I have a spare five minutes around all of that, I also look after the art in the cathedral. Wow. And you're a prolific writer as well. So I I can't imagine that you have many spare minutes at all. It must be said, there are not many spare minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So looking after the sort of social justice and children's stuff at somewhere like, well, anything really, somewhere Mm. like St Paul's, which is obviously a world-renowned cathedral, like there won't be anyone listening that doesn't know what it looks like and where it is. What does that look like? It's well, I, I need to say I have the most fabulous team. Um, my mm. fabulous team do um, kind of the really hard work. Um, but in terms of the work that we do, so we, if for adult learning, we lay on um, big lectures in, on the cathedral floor that we will have mm-hmm. six or seven hundred people come to. Um, we also have smaller seminars that run on a Sunday lunchtime where we look at things in more detail. We do online conversations and we have reflections that are written each week. So there's a whole load of different material that we produce. In terms of social justice, what we're trying to think about is how people can take their Christian faith and put it into action in their everyday lives. So there we run retreats, we have um, Saturday workshops and all those kinds of things that help people to think more deeply about that. And then the schools and family learning, we welcome 20,000 school children through the cathedral every year. And um, and it's a lot of children (laughs) (laughs) and introduce them to the cathedral and to sacred space and what sacred space is and what the Christians. So a lot of them, they're just on a normal school visit. So we talk to Mm -hmm. them about Christianity and what Christian faith means and then how that works in a cathedral setting. 
So it's um it's a varied lots of varied stuff, but really fun. Wow, what an incredible! I mean, it's one of my favourite places in the world, um, St Paul's. Um, I like being in it, but I mm. love being at the top of it. Oh yes, <laughs> just walking walking around <laughs> yeah. on the outside and looking at the views. Like, just what an incredible place to work really yeah no um, it is it is I still can't quite get over the fact that I do actually work there so. yeah I can imagine <laughs> uh, one of those sort of pinch yourself moments yeah no so. indeed that's right but um yeah knowing some of your writing I'm sure you bring a great deal to the team there and knowing kind of your heart for um how strongly you profile women in your writing um and all that it makes me really glad that you're on the team in a place as high profile and with such influences St Paul's oh thank you no and it's a great privilege and I absolutely love it good um well you've already been told that um but for those that are listening for the first time we ask every guest to make four choices and answer four questions Mm -hmm. as we travel together on a hypothetical hike um and we'll start (laughs) by going straight in with your first two choices um and so the first one is can you tell me where we're walking well we have to be walking in St Paul's really don't we because um, it's in my head um and it's where I walk every day so I um we start with worship at 7 30 in the morning so at 7 15 in the morning I'm walking into St Paul's so uh, that for me is is the place where, in fact, where where am I walking? Very much around St Paul's. And in case you're thinking that doesn't sound much like a hike, you can very easily get your ten thousand steps in walking around St Paul's during a day. I can I can well imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and your flights of stairs, I go up. It's a proper yes. workout. Yeah, yes. <laughs> um, so if you're starting with, sorry, I'm just really intrigued about St Paul's, but if you're starting mm. with um, that morning prayers in the morning, do you mm. have like a regular congregation that you will see um, every morning or on on a regular basis? Or does it tend to be um, visitors who are coming in and out? It, it's both. So we have some people who worship with us regularly, um, mostly not every day, um, but we have depending on their working pattern business people who come into the city and they like to go and pray with us before they go to work but then we also have a large number of tourists so yeah. uh, who uh, who happen to stumble in at I'm, I'm always intrigued by who's doing their touristing at 7 30 in the morning but <laughs> there are people I can tell you there are people yeah. who go out touristing at 7 30 in the morning and they come and join <laughs> us as well so the thing that is guaranteed if we're walking in St Paul's is there are going to be a whole load of people around. Yes. Um, yes. Those regulars, the other staff, some visitors, a whole load of children. But um, for the purposes of our conversation, we're going to take some guests on our walk with us. Right. Yes. Um, and you get to choose those. So you can choose one living, one dead and one fictional. Okay. So... Um, well, let me choose, start with the dead. So one of the things that um, you probably know about me is I'm a New Testament scholar and my great um, love in the New Testament is other writings of Paul. So the first person I've got to bring with me, I think, is Paul, um, who, quite frankly, I think might be a little bit annoying, but I think nevertheless, it'd be really good to have him because um, I have a long, long list of questions that I would like to ask him of uh, what did he mean and where, what, when he did that, what, did, what was he going on about? So yeah, Paul, definitely. Definitely, Paul. What are some of your top questions that you would have for him? um, Questions like, 
Um, did he ever change his mind when okay. he wrote his letters? Uh, what was that the last word he had on it, or did he move in his opinions yeah. later? Um, I'd also like to know um, when he was travelling. Did he have a plan, or did he just go okay. where he felt? the need to go next. Yeah, yeah. Um, and when he went to Rome and when he was in prison, what was he trying to achieve? And then the most important thing of all is what happened to him. I'm desperate yeah. to know, because what um, people probably know that the Book of Acts just stops with him in prison. Hmm. And there's a Christian tradition about him being martyred in Rome, but we don't know whether it's true or not. You know, did yeah. he go and see the emperor? And did the emperor go, oh, no, that's really interesting, and then let him go? Or did he <laughs> martyr him? Um, the very loads of things I'm interested in knowing, but those kind of things I would love to know the answers to. Oh, I'd like to know those answers too. Let's see if we can get him for our walk. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, our, and our other fellow ramblers. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have a, a, a strange um, set of companions, I think. Um, Rowan Williams, um, I think I want for my living person. Uh, Rowan was my professor when I was an undergraduate and wow. has remained a friend ever since. Uh, but he is just the most interesting thinker. And actually, I quite like Rowan Williams to ask Paul questions because I think that would be mm. really interesting questions. Um, and I think I would like them to listen into the conversation because Paul yeah. has a brain the size of a planet. He's so... the One of the reasons I love his writings is he's such an interesting thinker and writer. But then Rowan Williams also has a brain the size of a planet. So I would yeah. love to get, set them both going. <laughs> <laughs> Watch those two planetary yeah. brains just interacting exactly, with one right. another. Yeah. So incredible. And then my fictional person is going to be someone completely different. I was trying to work out who I would really like. And um, this may sound like a strange um, choice, but Miss Marple. Oh, I brilliant. love Miss Marple because, again, Me she too. asks brilliant questions. And yeah. kind of, kind of, and I think, and I would, my, in my, when I was thinking about it, when I was um, before this, the thought of Miss Marple, Paul and Rowan Williams sorting out the world oh, um, yeah. feels to me like a really good combination. Yeah, I like that. And she's so unassuming, isn't she? Like people yeah. always underestimate Miss Marple. I've literally just started watching them again with my son, who's just <laughs> yes. discovered a love for detective series. So we've been watching Poirot and Miss Marple, but he watches all of them with a pipe and a Sherlock style <laughs> Oh, <hat>. that's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> but, I love um, that. <laughs> yeah, we love Miss Marple too. So they all sound like excellent company. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's going to be and, a really great walk. And I just love that. also love the idea of Miss Marple asking Paul questions and wondering what he would do with them because I think she hmm. would kind of bowl him some real corkers. Yeah, yeah, but he won't know that they're a corker until he tries to answer them yeah, exactly. or suddenly realises <laughs> yeah, exactly. what he said. <laughs> like, oh, you got me. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um, oh, gosh, to hear those people answering these questions, what a dream come true, but I'm really also interested to hear hear from you and your kind of deep thinking um around some of this stuff so we'll get into that first question now we've established where we are and who's with us um Paula how do you face change well my husband always jokes with me I'm I love change I'm one of those people who goes oh something new excellent whereas he's very much at the other end so um basically we have this deal that if something new is about to happen or we're going to try a new way of doing things I'll do it because I will love it and then I'll tell him about it and he'll decide mm. whether he wants to do change okay. or not <laughs> <laughs> so I'm 
I'm just somebody who enjoys new things, new ideas, new thinking. And even if I decide I don't like it after we've started, that's fine. Um, so for me, I face change with excitement. I oh, think wow. it's, um, it's something that makes me go, oh, oh, great. A new thing. Brilliant. Um. So working somewhere like St Paul's yeah, you, with you a whole team that. of people around you um, and in an organisation as well established and with as much history as the Church of England, how do you um, share that excitement with others? How do you take people on that journey of change with you? Well, you know, it's a really tricky thing. And that kind of one of the funniest things about, you know, my call to go work at St Paul's is almost though God has been um, having a kind of a big sense of humour going, do you know what will annoy yeah. them most at St Paul's? Somebody who <laughs> loves change. <laughs> because some places like St Paul, well, St Paul's is kind of at the pinnacle of an institution like the Church of England, which, as you've said, is, is perfectly set up not to change. They yeah. have done the same thing for years after years. Um, and in a way, what you then have to do is, well, firstly, someone like me needs to try not to be too annoying because actually there's a reason why yeah. people do things like they've always done it. So you've got to kind of yeah. listen to it, um, take it very seriously um, and then begin to ask. Again, it's all around asking really good questions. You know, does this really work now? Yeah. Um, could we change it a little bit? Could we bring new things in? Yeah. It was a really interesting during lockdown when, sorry, it's like a frog in my throat. It was interesting during lockdown when we suddenly had to do things completely differently. Mm. And a lot of my colleagues found that quite difficult because that's not what they were appointed to do. They were appointed to do yeah. the same thing year after year. Whereas I came into my own because yeah. I went, oh, we've got to rethink absolutely everything. Perfect. I've got many ideas for you. And <laughs> what was interesting was working together and realising that actually I brought something to the table because often it feels as though I bring just annoying things to the table. Yeah. So actually to be able to go, actually, you know, I, I can contribute something here. So, yeah, it's about patience. It's about listening. It's about um, respecting tradition for what it brings, but then also mm -hmm. disrupting that as well. Yeah. I think because I, I guess and the pandemic would be a classic example a lot of change is also a moment of crisis isn't it so yeah, for it people is. It, yes. it is really really difficult to navigate um are there any kind of what did that look like um in the pandemic for you how did St Paul's St Paul's shift and how were you able to take people on that journey well, I th the, the big thing that we did, and particularly in my department, is we went had to go online. And of course, okay. for somewhere like St Paul's, that's a really big challenge because mm. St Paul's is a place. And as soon as I say the word St Paul's, you've got a mental picture of what we mean, which is the building. Yeah. So how yeah. are we St Paul's when you're not in the building? Yeah. was the big challenge that we had to face. And so we had to do quite a lot of work um, in the team about how we understand ourselves, what we stand for, and then to take that online and work out how you can do that um, online. And we're now in the situation where we're both back in the building and still doing online things. And uh, that yeah. um, uh, brings and a whole load of interesting things. That's been a helpful experience in terms of having to navigate that change. Has, has there been stuff that has remained in there in terms of like when future crises come? Do you feel confident and more robust in an ability to face those those yeah, kind of I moments? I think of so. Change? I mean, I think possibly the pandemic is was such a big crisis that maybe there isn't that much because I mean 
or who knows, but we are unlikely to face something exactly like that again. But I think there are lessons that you can learn from needing to change that are are worth learning about how you... um, And I think the biggest thing for St Paul's is um, fleet of foot is not how you would describe St Paul's, (laughs) because it's it's not what it's designed to be or do. And so how do we begin to be better at being flexible and shifting, I think is one of the big questions for us. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think you're right, kind of, like you said, like say St Paul's and it is synonymous with the building and yet... I mean, I don't think I know a single church leader who has, hasn't at some point said, you know, the church is the people, <laughs> not the building. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Um, but when those two are so interlinked and I guess for a lot of a lot of our church leaders outside of St. Paul's, it's there's still that real link between even if it's not the kind of magnificent building, there's still that real link between we are what we we do and we do this and and trying to think differently about that and trying to remove, separate the who we are from what we do is a really interesting challenge, isn't it? Yeah, no, I think, I think it's an absolutely fascinating. And then, so, and for us, I think the really interesting challenge is, is if you take away the building what is there about us that makes us St Paul's? Yeah. Um, and that was the thing that we kind of really had to crunch on, which was, it was a fascinating question to ask. Yeah. I wonder if it's just a question that we should all ask yeah. uh, at regular yeah. intervals. No, indeed. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Without all of this, um, yeah. who yeah. are we? And yeah. pour our energy into being that. Yeah. Oh, that's really helpful. Um, so our... Next question um, is, how do you move through suffering? I'm going to, it's going to be a really obvious answer, but we can unpack it. Um, one step at a time. I think yeah, one of the things... Yeah, unpack it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, for me, one of the really, really interesting... So I've, I've had various experiences in my life, which I would kind of characterise as, you know, walking through the dark valley, real times of suffering. And I've learned over the years that all you can do is do the next step. And then after that, you do the next step. And one of the great, and I noticed it also interestingly during lockdown, is that I ended up doing lots of online lectures. And what people wanted me to do in the long line, online lectures during lockdown was to say, um, what are we going to be like in the future? What's the, you know, mm. what, what's the hope for the future? What we're going to be like in, yeah. in the future? And I found myself saying over and over again, we won't know until we get there. Yeah. And when you're going through suffering, a natural human instinct is to say, let's talk about how it's going to be lovely at the end. Yeah. But the problem is that actually when you're right in the middle of it um you can make stuff up you know one that most annoying thing that people say to you when you're having a really hard time is it's all going to be all right and I want to go you don't know that you have no idea whether it's going to be all right or not yeah and um but we kind of want to rush to the end, you know, to the Miss Marple denouement end, you know, yeah. where everything is tied up and everyone knows what's going on and it's all fine. And the bad, the bad guys have got their comeuppance and the good people are seen victorious. You know, that in a way, what, that, what I'm telling you about is what Christians would call eschatology. 
the mm. end of all times. Um, so at the moment, what we, in a way we look forward to the end of all times, which uh, is when all the problems are solved, God wipes away all tears from our eyes, there is joy, there is um, harmony, there is you know, everything that we yearn for in life, that, that is that. And that's the Christian theology of eschatology. Yeah. And often what we try and do is we rush through what we're doing now in order to get there. But what the Bible tells us over and over again is actually you have to live now. You look to the horizon of the future, knowing there will become a time that it will get better. But now you have to live now. And yeah. what that means is you take one step at a time. And if actually today's strength, all you've got today is half a step, then half a step is what it needs to be. And like I say, it sounds a really obvious thing to say, but it's it feels like a really important thing to say. And I've learned mm -hmm. over the years that when really hard times come, you just do the next thing. Yeah. And then you do the next thing. And you don't try and make it OK, because actually you don't know what OK is going to look like. And you yeah. just kind of carry on. And I... I guess for many of us, we are in a a situation of privilege where like while suffering can be extreme and life changing, it also does tend to be seasonal. Yeah. But there are those for whom they're not going to get to the end of it. Yeah. And so if our only strategy for coping is to focus on the end then there's no offer of hope for those people yeah. who don't get to come out the other side is there yeah no I know and that's and that's really important and and it almost feels as though you're diminishing the reality of the suffering if you go there there it's all going to be fine let's talk about the end yeah actually sometimes the only thing to do is to look into the middle and mm -hmm. say yes this is really awful yeah are there any things that you do to help you with that? Like what, what can we put in around us that helps us take that one step, that helps us look into the middle, that helps us be present in that moment? Well, for me, the, the most important thing is the remembrance that God is with us. You know, the, mm -hmm. the message of Christmas, um, Emmanuel is God is with yeah. us. And um, that recognition that no matter what happens to us, no matter what we're going through, God is always there walking along beside us. Yeah. And, um, and for me, that's, that's it. That's the sim so, so kind of in my kind of really, really hard times, I just say to myself over and over again, God is with me. God is with me. Even if it doesn't look like it, even if it doesn't feel like it, yeah. God is there. And do you find yourself able to see God in those places? Sometimes, not always. And I think that in a way there's a, there's one of the things I like to call divine obstinacy, where you just say, <laughs> it doesn't look like it, it doesn't feel like it, the world feels like a terrible, awful place, and God is still there. And I can't see God now, and I didn't see God yesterday, and I might not see God tomorrow, but I still believe that God is there. Yeah. And just kind of just plugging on because it's the only thing you can do ultimately. Yeah. And then, and then, I mean, and, and occasionally the light breaks through, you know, occasionally yeah. you suddenly go, oh yes, now I can feel God. And then you have to do everything you can to hold on to that moment and carry yeah. it with you so that for however long it takes until the next time you can say, I, I remember that God is with me. Yeah. 
That's really helpful. Like what, I'm just trying to to kind of like think about like what are the, how can we be proactive in that process? Like how can we actively engage in the kind of looking and the, and the believing and, and the trusting? Well, do you know, one of the things I think um, we don't do enough as Christians is actually telling our stories. Because mm. one of the things that, so th- there are kind of, there are two things I know about God, well, probably more than two, but let's start with the two things I know about God. One of them is that God is always with us. And the second is that God never looks like you expect God to look. Um, God mm. is always surprising. And one of the things I think that um, therefore we struggle with is that because we can set, we can be looking over in one direction saying I'm looking for God to do something, whereas actually God is um, somewhere else. You know, if we only could kind of hone our gauge, gaze, we'd be yeah. able to see God. And the way in which you, you learn to be expert God noticers is to hear the occasions from other people from when they've encountered God. Yeah. Because then you can begin to say, oh, yeah, no, I recognise. Yeah, that's where God is and that's where God is. Um, so there's something about telling our stories of God so that even if actually you haven't had a direct experience of God in the last 10 years, say, actually yeah. you know of other, you can tell other people's stories and that yeah. reminds you that God is always with us. So there's yeah. something about telling stories, listening really carefully and understanding what they tell us about who God is. Yeah, I think that's really important. Um, the Salvation Army, we, I don't know that we have it so much now, but we always had a really mm. strong um, heritage of storytelling. Yeah. Um, and a Sunday evening meeting would always be, always include a testimony time. Yeah. We'd sing a little chorus, the music would stop, and someone would remain on their feet to tell their story. Um, and the thing they had in common was that they were all different. And yeah. because it was a weekly part of what would happen, they didn't have to be a kind of a moment of whole life transformation. Yeah. It was just something that had happened. And I think sometimes we, we're we really good at telling the big stories, yeah. aren't we? Or the, you know, the good testament. Oh, I've, mm. they've got a really good testimony. Yeah, yeah. But what about the ordinary ones? What about yeah. the everyday? And hearing those stories are actually really powerful and sustaining. Mm. And p- possibly even more helpful. I remember when, yeah. so when, I, when I was growing up, my dad was a vicar. So I was always in the church and we would have these big celebrities come and tell their testimonies, you know, about how yeah. they, you know, they used to take drugs and they were alcoholics yeah. and they were kind of... And I would sit there going, well... That makes no difference to me in my life at all. You know, yeah. I, I am a good Christian girl who comes to church yeah. every week. Um, and your story, it sounds like a great story and I'm really pleased for you, but it makes no difference to me. Yeah. Whereas what I loved were the stories of, you know, somebody who talked about going to the shops on a Monday morning. And, yeah. you know, that was what made a difference to me. And I think those the small yeah. stories of God are the things that are really important to us. Yeah, that's really helpful. And it's not, it's not, yeah, God doesn't just exist in, God is extraordinary, but God doesn't just exist in the extraordinary. God exists in the ordinary. And for yeah. most of us, that's where, that's where we'll find God. Yeah. Um, yeah. And learning how to yeah. find it, find God and point in God's direction is really, really important. Yeah. 
And just and it's kind of one of those things. Uh, there's one of my I loved. So let me just tell you a, what a, a story from Chinese philosophy, which I really love because I think it kind of it tells it's really helpful. So there's a businessman who wants to learn about jade, and so he went to a guru who would teach him about jade. And the first week he arrived, the the um the guru's servant met him at the door and said, "The master's a bit busy this week." Um but he'll he possibly will have time to see you later so just sit here and he gave him a piece of jade and he sat there for the hour um and then the master was still busy and so he went away again and then he went the next week and the same thing happened and this happened week after week after week until eventually the businessman got absolutely furious and he burst into the guru's study um and he said to the guru um how dare you treat me like this with all of this lack of respect um week after week you've just um, given me a piece of jade to look at and this week you didn't even give me a real piece of jade <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> and it's, I just love the story because basically yeah. what it means is the guru taught him everything he needed to know yeah. by getting him to sit with the thing that he needed to get to yeah. know. And then eventually yeah. he went, hang on a minute, this isn't it. And so he didn't need the teaching. He just had the experience of sitting there. And I think stories about God are exactly that. Whereas you can sit there and then also, I mean, it, there's a kind of a correlation to it, isn't it? Then you begin to go, actually, yeah, no, I really recognise those genuine stories of God yeah. and not the glamorous stories that, you know, are, are probably just as true, but they don't resonate in the same kind of way. You learn, yeah. you learn to recognise and to treasure the really good stories yeah. of God. Yeah. I love that story. That's, that's great. Just mm. recognising real jade because... Yeah. Because you've sat with it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then, and then, so then how do you recognise where God is? Well, you've sat with God's stories all this time and then you go, yeah. oh yeah, oh look, look, there it is in my life and yeah. I hadn't realised it. Yeah, brilliant. And now for a quick ad break. What is Shalom? It's about loving every child and young person. Shalom means helping them to find wholeness and community by being with others, being with creation and being with God. At our 2023 Youth and Children's Leaders Conference, we're inviting you to consider what it would look like to be an army of Shalom makers. It's an invitation to high challenge and a lifetime's work. It's an invitation to commitment and radical love. We'll offer teaching, stories and resources rooted in the reality of the current landscape, as well as in the hope we glimpse through present ministry and the promise of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We'll be gathering in Warwick from the 24th to the 26th of March. This is a conference for the committed and also for the curious. It's for the long haulers and the newbies. It's for volunteers, employees, church leaders and officers. It's for anyone who wants to be inspired, encouraged, resourced, and part of the conversation. Please check out salvationist.org.uk forward slash shalom for more information. We'd love to see you there. And now, back to the podcast. We're going to make another one of our choices now. Okay. Um, so I'm thinking... I can't imagine the chat drying up. We've got mega brains. We've got Miss Marple with her questions. But maybe for when we're going up the stairs to the top of the cathedral and we're out of breath. <laughs> breath yeah. And so we can't talk for a moment. Mm. Um, we can listen to something together. So what what will we be listening to on our walk? 
Well, I'm going to suggest two completely different things, two ends of the spectrum. So I think because we're in St Paul's, we need to listen to some really, really beautiful music. Um, and if you're climbing up around the dome, um, you need something that's kind of very um, uplifting and transcendent and yeah. very St Paul's-like. And um, one of my experiences when I first started at St Paul's is for Ash Wednesday, which is the first day of Lent. Um, mm -hmm. They have a special service where the choir sings a piece of music. And they this year, that year, they sang Allegri's Miserere, which is many people will know. It's a really, really beautiful piece of um, music from the, I can't remember, 16th or 17th century. Um, and it's, it's just absolutely stunningly beautiful. So I think we'll start by listening to Allegri's Miserere, which will get us into a kind of a, a, a powerful and spiritual mood. And then we'll go right to the other end of the spectrum and we'll listen to a podcast. Okay. And the podcast I would like us to listen to is Off Menu. I absolutely love... It's my favourite. <laughs> I adore <laughs> Off Menu. Because what I really love about it is that um, it gets you into who people really are. For, so for people who don't know Off Menu... Mm. It's a podcast that is hosted by two comedians. And the idea is you go to a dream restaurant and you pick your dream meal. So you pick your starter, your main and your dessert. And you just have a conversation about it as you go. And um, do you know what? I'd love to know what each one of my companions' dream meals would be. Yeah. But it also <laughs> kind of gets you into that stuff about who you... Again, we're back to who you really are. Um, and I yeah. love the stories that people tell about, you know, that time when they went to a restaurant here and they had this starter and it remain, reminds them of this forever. Mm -hmm. It's those kind of things. So, yeah, I think we'll start with Allegri's Miserere and then we'll have a big session with Off Menu. And that oh, should get us all the way up to the Golden Gallery. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, I've got some top episodes as well, so we could we could discuss yeah, we, which we is could our top show, episode yeah, and make choose. sure we put that in everybody's <laughs> ears. Uh, we regularly in my house play the off-menu game where we'll go through our favourite bread. Pop-dom yeah. or bread, starter, yes. name, dessert yeah. and drink. Yeah, yeah. We do as well. <laughs> and when we go out for a really nice meal, the, pretty much the entire conversation is about does this bump any one of our off-menu choices or not? Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I love that. Um, yeah, that would be good. And hearing about some of their food experiences yeah, and yeah. some of those moments would be a great way to get to know our fellow walkers better as well. Indeed, absolutely. Um, I very much approve of those choices. Excellent. So we're going to move on to our... Next question. And actually, the off-menu podcast would be one of my answers to this question, but I'm sure you'll bring far more depth than that to this. <laughs> Not necessarily. Um, <laughs> how do you receive joy? Oh, how do I receive joy? Friends. It would okay. be my kind of... And in a way, that it's kind of partially connected to the off-menu stuff, isn't it? Um, eating together with really good friends, um, just having time together, but friends and family, but but kind of the people I love gathered together in a relaxed environment, um, having a great time. That's for me, kind of what kind of the pinnacles of joy. And what's the particular joy in that? Because for some people. people it isn't, yes. is it? So no, no, it's not. No, exactly. It's people. I'm a, I'm a real people person. Um, I'm meeting I love meeting new people I mean mm -hmm. I mentioned I like change already there's nothing I like more than meeting a really great new person who I go oh yeah no there's a whole load of really interesting things about you I'd love to find out so it's finding out about other people listening to people's stories it's back to stories um mm -hmm. engagement 
um, all of those kinds of things. Um, it's kind of, and I think I always find that I understand myself better when I've been with other people. So you can probably tell I'm a real extrovert. For hmm. uh, for introverts, it's not such a great thing. But for an <laughs> extrovert, being with people. And it people don't. It doesn't have to be people who think the same thing as you, but actually people who also enjoy company. And I think one of the things that's that's hard, um, both for the people who don't enjoy the company and the people who do enjoy the company, is um, you know when you get somebody who actually would rather just be at home reading a novel. I always want to yeah. go. Well, how about you do go home and read a novel? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you'll be happier, and then we won't have to feel like um, you're we're spoiling your time by talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and it's recognising that we are all different, isn't it? And that yeah, there's not absolutely. like one there's not one way of receiving joy and there's not a right way of receiving no. joy or yeah. a wrong way. Um and it's easy. I too am an extrovert and mm. I too just love being around other people um and get all of my energy, um well, a lot of my energy um that way. Um but it's not the way. It's not No, it absolutely isn't. And and it, one of the things I think in as you get older in lo- in life you recognize that giving people permission to be who they are is the key thing. So mm. recognizing that, you know, for us the idea of a, a nice dinner in the evening and chatting would be great, but for other people actually genuinely sitting on the sofa by themselves um reading a book would be far preferable. And yeah. I would say great. Yeah. So it's it's the learning how to to receive the joy, which is not to say that I don't like sitting and reading a novel, nor that um, they wouldn't enjoy Balance. having dinner. But it's it's about yeah. kind of recognizing that joy comes in different forms. Yeah, and you've said uh, your life is busy. Um, you have got a busy job. You do a whole load of extra things. How do you prioritize those joy experiences? Uh, badly. It's a really good question you ask, (laughs) is that I always realise that my life is going out of kilter when I go, oh, I just haven't got time. You know, I'd love to go and see someone, but I haven't got the time for it. Then then you realise that your life is out of balance. And I used to think when I was younger that you would get to that stage in life where you had everything perfect. You know, you would just work the right amount of time and then you'd have a really good social life and you'd have everything planned. It would all be perfect. I find that that happens um, for one week in every five years. And then for the rest of the time, I'm going, (laughs) no, it isn't quite right. And I need to I haven't seen my friends enough or I'm working too hard or um, and the, again, the thing that I've learned is is be forgiving. I mean, there's mm-hmm. to say that there's you know we're trying to get the balance right is good, but it doesn't mean that when it's not right, it's wrong. It just means yeah. that um, it's a it's a life's work yeah. getting the getting putting the the things in place that you need, that your family needs, that your friends around you need, um, and it's never going to be perfect. Yeah, but taking the opportunities when they come, I guess. Yeah. Is- then yeah, becomes right. really, really mm. important. Mm. And I think recognising it as, as something of value is important yeah. as well, yeah. isn't it? Rather than going, yeah. oh, I don't need to do this thing. I need to mm. do the other things, but I don't need to do this thing. Whereas actually yeah. we do need to do that thing Yeah, as well. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I'm finding space for that. Yeah, but also sometimes we have to do the things we don't really like doing yeah, oh, as well. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Like the washing. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, there's, there's a yeah. whole load of things that we do also need to do just because they need to be done. 
and yeah. you know, whether whether it's household tasks or even kind of worky things or sometimes yeah. it's even social things isn't it that you've got to go and do yeah. a social thing you don't really want to do but it's still a thing that's worth doing yeah yeah no that's exactly it um great this is another thing that that brings me joy and as you enjoy the off menu podcast i'm hopeful that you will have good answers to this next question <laughs> because sometimes I'm, I'm left sometimes I'm left a little cold um after all our walking around St Paul's and we've been to the top um and we need a snack so what's in the snack bag oh I can have a bag excellent yeah news. a whole oh, bag great. yeah I mean you've got to put enough in it to share like yeah we, yeah yeah absolutely yeah. <laughs> Oh no! So I ha- so I had one answer. So let me start with my one answer, and then I can add to my one answer. Okay. So um, right. before we li- moved to London, my husband was a vicar in Birmingham, and okay. he was the vicar of Bourneville, which is where the camping oh, factory wow. is. Yeah. So for eighteen years, we lived about two hundred yards away from the Canterbury factory. Oh so gosh. A primary constituent of my snack bag would have to be various forms of dairy milk chocolate. Nice. Because it's it's very important. Um, So the various forms would include always a flake. You have to have a flake, I think, uh, the supreme form of dairy milk. Um, I think some of those... um, those the nibbles that they brought out recently, you know, the bite size, Mm, um, caramel nibbles are are very good. good. Um, Probably crunchies, either crunchy bites or a whole crunchy um, would be right up there. So those kinds, a whole theme of Cadbury snacks, I think that would is be so good. very I, important. There's something about Cadbury's that just yeah. hits different, isn't there? You it, can, absolutely. Have, can have all the swanky chocolate, but sometimes it's just yeah. dairy milk is is the thing. That's it. I always, I always, in our family, it's there's quality chocolate and there's quantity chocolate. And dairy okay. milk is quantity <laughs> chocolate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah I like that um could you smell the chocolate where you live yes yeah no and it was it was mildly (sighs) disastrous for me because it was at that time I did a lot of traveling and the train Mm. station was on the other side of the Cadbury factory to our house so I would walk from the factory through what was called the birdcage walk which is outside the factory which is where you would and it would smell you know like a flake smells just when you first open the package it's just so it would smell like that all the way then and then between there and home was the newsagents Oh. And it would be one of those where I would go, no, I will not. I will not. Oh, maybe I will. No, I will not. And then you go, okay, I'll get, I'll, I'll get a bar of dairy milk, but that's because I can break it into sections and I don't exactly. have to eat it all. But yeah, 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 yeah. It sounds like we have a, a, a very similar <laughs> way our brain works. Yeah, that but would be since... a disaster for me. Yeah, yeah. I think. <laughs> But since we can have a snack bag, I think we need some savoury snacks in there as well. um, So I think we definitely, we'd have to have a tube of Pringles just because. um, Which flavour? The green one, sour cream and chive. Yeah, nice. um, For me, right up there. Although ready salted are okay, but I think the green ones definitely. Um, I think we'd need some nuts. Um, I love macadamia nuts. I think they're my old pistachios or cashews, but or even a mix. So we might need. To we have can some have nuts. a mix. We can have. We all can of those have a mix. Things. Excellent. Yeah, that's absolutely <laughs> fine. That is. I think that might be my favourite snack bag. Excellent. So far, yeah. And if you need, um, if you ever need a savoury hit with your chocolate, can I recommend a Dairy Milk and Ritz cracker 
combo. Oh, um, great idea. Yeah, really, really good. Oh. Um, so, yeah, just... Yes, yes. Bring that Kind of a, a chocolate sandwich. Yeah. With a Ritz on either... Yes, oh, yeah. yes, I can see how that would work very well, especially with those thin... The, with the chocolate buttons. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that I will um, melt the chocolate sometimes and <laughs> do a little... Dip. Brilliant. Like it. Yeah. Hmm. There we go. <laughs> for your fu- for your future joy. <laughs> um and yeah, it's time for us to move on to our final question now, um, which is how do you mature in service? Um by getting things wrong mm. and working out that you've got things wrong and doing it again a different to- different way. I think is the there's yeah. it's um in a way it's so if I can kind of go much more into the kind of the Christian answer, is getting thing wrong, things wrong in, in the presence and knowledge of Christ and growing yeah. up more into Christ um, is for me how you mature. Um, and the people you observe in service um, who don't seem to do the learning, I think are, um, if, you kind of, if you look at how you don't mature, um, you don't mature by not, by le- by not learning. That's how, you, that's how it happens. So is it by um, not is it by not making the mistakes in the first place, no, or is never. it by not learning from the mistakes? Not like, learning which... from the mistakes. Yes, okay. I mean, I, I and I think it's really interesting. I think if you observe various people in leadership, whether mm. Christian or otherwise, um, who've had kind of a bit of a golden life and they've nothing's ever gone wrong for them, um, mm. they do a great job. You know, don't get me wrong. I think I, often, but actually, when something goes wrong then it's an utter catastrophe for them because they're not used to anything going wrong. Whereas actually, if you are much more attuned to recognising that um, we do the best thing we can and things go wrong, um, but that when they do go wrong, then you say, well, well, what was it that made it go that way? What what happened outside of me, what happened inside of me um, to make mm. those things happen. Um, and if I, you know, if I could run this again, how would I do it differently? Um, yeah. And learn, kind of store up that as your treasure chest so that the next time it, something similar happens, you go, ah, now I've been here before. I remember this. Um, yeah. When I, last time I did this, what if I tried and did? You know, and it works with um, relationships. It works with mm. kind of big crises that happen um, it's simply the recognising that, you know, we aren't, you know, there's nowhere in the Bible that suggests we're born to be perfect. Quite the opposite. Yeah. You know, we are born to make a mess of things. Um, yeah. The point is not that we make, you know, that, that we focus on making a mess of things. The point is that mm. we say, um, look, I did. You go to God, you receive forgiveness, and then you learn about it. Mm. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I, I'd imagine... Um, for you and I think I guess me similarly like I I enjoy change I enjoy doing yeah. new things which creates huge capacity for things going wrong oh. <laughs> um, <Massive. laughs> and so building reflection space into those changes yeah. then becomes really important doesn't it yeah and and even if actually it doesn't go wrong but you go well do you know it could have been a bit better yeah um, it's it's a, and maybe even the wrong Wrong is the wrong word, hmm. Maybe because because I think a lot of times we can be our own worst enemy and say, you know, you really should be brilliant, you should be perfect, you should be successful all the time. But actually, yeah. where's the rule book that says that? 
maybe what we simply say is not that things go wrong but that actually we're forever growing and learning and we can do things better and better yeah um my granddad died um uh, just over a year ago mm. and um he was a uh, officer in the salvation army and when um people talk about him um the the number one memory um that is shared among a huge number of people who he um who knew him was this one moment where he spoke to a bunch of other Salvation Army officers mm. and gave them permission to fail. And yeah. I, I don't know how many years ago it was because I wasn't there, but I know that it was many, many mm. years ago, decades ago. And yet that's something for, I would, <laughs> anecdotally, I would suggest that the majority of people who were in that room have carried that through their ministry that they have permission to fail which Mm. is really just permission to try isn't it it is absolutely yeah it's permission to do something it's permission to give something a go and not because failure is the goal but because learning something new is the is the goal Mm. and what does reflecting look like for you um do you have a process that you follow um, do you have people um, that you talk to or? I have people I talk to. So I have a whole range of different people. Um, so I, I have a spiritual director. I have a work consultant. I have my husband who gets his ear bent. <laughs> lots and lots. I have other friends. Um, I have groups of friends and single friends. So because I'm a people person, I, mm. I'm one of those people who works out what I think my, my mouth moving yeah. Um, I, one of my great horrors is where people say, you know, I'd, I'd like us all to sit quietly and write down our thoughts on the pad. <laughs> I go, well, I haven't got any until you're allowed me to speak. <laughs> yeah. So, so for me, it's it's about talking and um, kind of yeah. chatting with people. Whereas yeah, I know my... for other people, it's a, it's a writing, it's writing, it's a writing thing. Down yeah, and, with my yeah. husband, I'll have, but and he'll be like, but you said, and I was like, oh no, I know that wasn't that's what not what I think. That yeah. was me working out what I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was just yeah. trying those words out for size. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep, totally. <laughs> to figure out where I was going yeah. to land. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's that's all that that was. Um, and do you see that in the people around you? Um, that trying things, that reflecting on things, that do you, when you kind of reflect on, because you will be engaging with like leaders in a whole load of different yeah. spheres, is that something that we're, we're good at or getting better at? Is there anything we could do to be better at it? Yeah, I, I think, um, I think it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I think we all know that leaders need time for reflection and they need to mature and they need to grow and that's really important and yet whenever we talk about perfect leaders we very rarely talk about that we talk Mm -hmm. about people who never get it wrong who make the right decision all the time so I think it's one of those things I think I think we are learning it but I don't think we're there yet and I think it would be lovely if when we start talking about leadership we begin with somebody who's able um to recognize when they've done things wrong there's a story yeah. I really love, actually, about Pope Francis, um, which I read in a book and absolutely captivated me. So there was when Pope Francis was much, much younger, 
He was the leader of the Jesuit community in Argentina where he lived and it went completely and utterly wrong. And in the end, he was removed from leading the community. And he okay. um, was, and, and the person who removed him said, you're clearly not cut out to be a leader. You'll never be able to lead properly. Um, you need to go off um, and do something else entirely. But he went off and he learned his lessons. So that, mm. and he, apparently he now talks about the lessons that he learned from that experience. So now, you know, you, somebody who was declared never yeah. to be able to be a leader is Pope Francis, um, who, yeah. you know, Depending on your view, um, I think he's doing rather a good job. Yeah, and, it, and for me, that was, again, it was a really moving story of somebody who got it wrong, yeah. went away and learnt the lessons, and as a result of having learnt the lessons, now is kind of being a, a spectacular leader. Um, yeah. And I think I think there's something. It's that kind of thing. I think we need to hold up, not. Yeah tell me about your successes, but tell me about how you've learned from the things that went wrong. Yeah, that that would be a really good question for mm. everybody to be asking yeah. themselves now. And if they haven't done it, actually, what are you going to learn from the next thing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that goes right. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really, really important, I think, that we do that. And that Pope Francis story is really helpful because... Mm he's you know leading I we've all got it wrong haven't we and those of us that are part of organizations that have a history our organizations have got it wrong um and there is a limit to how far we can move forward without acknowledging mistakes that have been made in the past and it's I guess if you learn that personally then it makes it easier to do that corporately as well when you know Mm. that the future is better for naming and learning rather than just trying to to ignore Mm. yeah that's a really helpful story thank you so much for sharing um what's coming up for you um as we as we bring those kind of questions to a hold, like what are you working on? Are you writing anything new? Is there? Um, I, I'm about to be writing something new. Um, I'm I'm forever about to be writing something new. The question <laughs> is, <laughs> how late am I for my deadline? Um, I'm about to start writing a commentary on the Psalms, which will be um, great fun when I get round to it. So that's um, for Excellent. for people who can get get into the Psalms a little bit more and to reflect on them. And um, then after that, I've got two other things that I need to be writing. So I have many things coming up. That many, need to be many writing. things. Yes. No wonder you don't have time for those dinners with your yeah, friends. No, indeed, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I have to do some um, crowdsourcing, get them to write for you or with you. Yes, exactly. Like that's that. right. Yes. <laughs> they all come around for dinner when they write a chapter each. That'll be yeah, perfect, yeah. That'd be excellent. <laughs> Oh, Paula, thank you so much um, for taking some time out of what is a really, really busy schedule um, to to speak to us today. Um, I loved hearing a little bit more about how life works at St Paul's um, and also what life looks like for you um, and the, the learning that you've done along the way. So thank you so much. Thank you. It's been really lovely chatting with you. Well, another massive thank you to Paula for coming on the All Terrain podcast. I loved hearing about her work at St Paul's, as you probably gathered, and to chat with someone whose writing I've appreciated for a while was such a treat. 
There were plenty of moments that made me really think. I've taken notes so that I can ponder on some of those things more. I'd love to know what made you think. And you can share some of those thoughts over on Facebook. If you search The All Terrain Conversations, you can join our group there. And we can hear those questions and learn from the wisdom that exists among you, our listeners. Please also, if you enjoy the podcast, don't forget to share it across your social media channels. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we'd love it if you could give the show a rating or write us a review. All those things help us get the show heard by even more people. We also produce our sketch notes and an article to accompany each episode. And if you search the All Terrain podcast or click the link in the episode description, you'll be able to find those. I'll be back soon with another guest who will be facing the four choices, answering the four questions and sharing their wisdom learned along the way on the All Terrain podcast. So until then, goodbye and thanks for listening.